This is Harold Jarbo, AKA the old hemp farmer. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media. On this episode, Mark is out in LA. I'm here in Nashville. And as always, Full Contact Cannabis is sponsored by those wonderful folks at Tennessee Homegrown. And today, we don't need no stinking guests. <laughs> yes, it has been a fun-filled, jam-packed last couple of weeks. For those people who've been following us, they know Mark Stepp is a post-producer director that works most of the time out of L.A. Every once in a while, he gets to do cool projects. And he just got back from Colorado. And what was the official title of that program? The 25th anniversary of South Park concert. I believe that was the official title. And one of the cool things about that, which kind of segues into what we're doing is, is South Park was one of the first TV series who took a, a jaundiced eye at cannabis, the cannabis business. And That's true. They uh, created their own brand and their own farm uh, on the show. Tagrity. Yeah, Tagrity. Sometimes right. they say Tagrity when they're singing the songs. And, and it's so so easy to parody, you know, yeah. Tagrity. Here we are. We're in the heartland making cannabis for Americans, by Americans, yep. you know. And, yeah. And so it was a great. And was there only one or was there a runoff on that? Uh, no, they did. I think they did several episodes around that because one of the key families on the show moved out of town and started the farm when uh, you know cannabis became legal in Colorado. So they parody a lot of things that are going on in their home state as well as worldly uh, issues as well, topics. Uh, and they performed Tegrity on the uh, concert that we did. And uh, it was a highlight uh, it was a really, really good moment. I don't want to give anything away, but if people get a chance to watch it, they should. You can find it now streaming on Paramount Plus. But uh, there's some unique things about that song that made it a standout in an incredible show. Well, they were the first one to really lampoon the whole idea of um, marijuana millionaires. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the, the gist of that song goes right at that key point. It, but it was, you know, I'm going to move to Colorado. I'm going to start growing weed. I'm going to make millions. It was the right thing at the right time. And anybody who was in the industry at the at that time, it cracked you up beyond belief. Yeah. And I, if I check, when I came home in my swag bag, I believe I received a Tegrity hat so that when I am working on the farm, I can live vicariously through Tegrity. You damn straight. <laughs> uh, so how did that, well, how do we, how do you put it? Since you're in, well, it was a, sort of like a live event, so I was going to say shoot, because normally you do post, but this was sort of, you were all like cutting it together as it went? Well, no, it, it was uh, typical of what we usually do, but it was extremely compressed uh, schedule. We shot two nights, almost the same concert, but there were some surprises on the second night. Uh, Rush showed up and played with him, which was a very unique experience. It was a surprise for Matt Stone. Uh, because he's a huge Russ fan, and he did not know they were coming. So it was uh, a key moment in, uh, in a fun fun night. Uh, but it was two nights of shooting the concert, and then we literally had two and a half days to turn the show around. The big challenge became that it was supposed to be a one-hour show when we finished the broadcast, but uh, it was so good. There was so much content 
we ended up having to make a uh, two-hour show, which essentially doubled our work in our two and a half days we had to uh, get it out. So it was quite challenging. It was uh, a lot of long hours, but it was a great bunch of people from the production side, people that I work with all the time, as well as uh, the chance to work with Matt and Trey is always a pleasure. Uh, very, very creative people and you know, groundbreakers in the way they changed television starting 25 years ago is and concerning censorship and things like that. So when are we getting, when did you uh, get them as a guest? For what? This show? The, yeah, for a podcast. <laughs> I mean, uh, you work with them now a couple of times, right? Yeah. You're like a first name basis. Well, I, I'll, I'll say this, as we say in our industry, uh, uh, it's a work in progress. <laughs> Well, that was a tease. Uh, stay tuned for future full contact cannabis. Actually, uh, I, I actually I, I I think the smoke is settling from the show, and uh, I probably spent more time with their manager than I did with them on this one. Um, I probably can reach out to her and see if they would be uh, enthusiastic to uh, come to this uh, little soiree. Or as they say, shindig of full contact cannabis. Right. Well, inquiring people want to know. I, I've been to Colorado several times yeah. and worked out there a few times. I've never been to Red Rock. Mm. Yeah, it was um, that was probably my third or fourth time uh, going there. Um, this was uh, the first time I ever went to a concert that was shooting there that I was actually involved in delivering post on. Uh, I've edited some things that were shot there, but had not attended the event. And this was a unique event, uh, really because of the fan base. Um, there were definitely as many characters as uh, Matt and Trey have created. There were those equal amount of characters in the audience those two nights. Uh, they uh, A lot of cosplay going on, a lot of generational. You had parents who grew up with the show and they brought their kids, you know, good reasons or not. The second night, the entire production team of their show, which is a pretty sizable amount, they they VIP'd them and they were all there for the show. So that was a really nice gift for them to come and enjoy a night out. And Red Rocks is magical. I mean, if you've ever been there, it's a it's an unbelievable. No, I just place. told you yeah. I hadn't been. Well, I was kind of talking to the listeners, <laughs> not just you. Uh, it's not always about you, Harold. Uh, damn, damn, damn. Yeah, I know you think that. But uh, no, it's even as you approach it, you see it up on the hill and it's just like um, majestic red rocks. And they decided uh, however many years ago to carve an amphitheater in it for some reason. And it's very successful. Um, this time of year, it is damn hot during the day and uh, it is a hiking place. So even if you go there thinking you're going to get a good parking spot, there is parking that uh, always requires a hike up the hill. So, um, and luckily, um, we had great weather for the evenings about three o'clock, it would start cooling off. And then by the time sh the show started, it was very comfortable every night, never got any rain. And, uh, you know, it's a half hour from downtown Denver and uh, pleasant drive out there and uh, just a fun place to see a show and a busy place. They have so much variety uh, of types of performances and this show was one of the most unique things they've ever had there. And I mean, Trey grew up in Morrison, which is the town that's closest to Red Rocks, a little bitty town right down the hill. So that was kind of cool. Well, all right. I got a couple more questions about the South Park thing and I'll leave you alone. Okay. First of all, 
This will be a short podcast then. Uh, I didn't say I was going to stop. I said, leave you alone on this one. We're going on to another thing here later. But, right? So how many people showed up? Oh, well, they, uh, interestingly enough, it was going to be one night. um, And they sold out like in five minutes. So they were able to add another night. uh, And it was equally a sellout. Um, I don't know how many people that stadium holds that amphitheater holds i'm sure we could google it or somebody could google it and find out but it was uh it was standing room only um uh both nights and uh i was told after the event and it was probably due to it was a two-night stand that it was the most um profitable money grossing event they've ever had there and, because uh, you were involved no 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 because it was the local boys right. <laughs> so and so, I, I can't i can't emphasize enough how unique it was so all right so i the other question was was there the smell of marijuana in the air i, I guess the, i guess the question is how pungent was it <laughs> and it would depend on whether there was much of a breeze or not yeah but uh yeah, I mean, yes, I, I will say yes, but it's such a, it's a park. So it was very interesting. We were, we were outside of the production truck, big video semi truck and, and uh, people were walking by us up the hill uh, to get up there. And of course they were partaking and I guess they felt like they needed to use some cannabis in order to make the climb. But then you would turn around the other way and right behind our truck, here's a deer hanging out going, what are y'all doing? So, uh, yeah. So, so I assume that because you're such a consummate professional, you weren't consuming, were you? Gosh, no. No. That's like, you know, that just kills the whole fantasy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was figuring you know, you'd go in, start the morning out with a little light edible. There, there's, there's no way I could function for the tasks that are placed in front of me uh, if I was doing that. So have you recovered yet? I, I feel like I have. I mean, I know I talked to you prior to this, but I, I um, acquired a, a pretty pretty severe head cold uh, while I was there. I think it was the hours and going from extreme heat into air conditioning, not COVID, tested every day. Luckily, got around that one. But just yesterday, the show was a week ago, uh, and just yesterday, I feel like um, I'm back in the game. See, but you didn't consume cannabis. Yeah, I, right I, now I I'm not going to say anything that maybe if you had started this all out with a couple healthy dabs, you wouldn't have got a sick. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I I arrived bringing it in hot, so I went right to work as soon as I got there, and uh, and never really had time, and I probably should have done a little at night to help me sleep, but I was sleeping fine and just trying to get through it. So you're just going, all right, now you're, you're getting all geared up here and you're getting revitalized and recharged. Yes, sir. So, and then you're freaking going to Ireland. Yes. Yes. I go to Ireland. What's up with that? You can't work here in America. (laughs) Yeah. There's no jobs here in LA for me me anyway. (laughs) That's so sad. That is. And I and and you say you mentioned the guy's name, and I I'm not really kind of you know into contemporary stuff or whatever. Garth Brooks. Yes. Is, yes. is that a is that a punk? Act? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a new wave punk alt uh, EDM act. That's what's okay. going on. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll hear him on the radio someday. 
Yeah, okay, cool. So you're over there for what? Friggin' two Three weeks? weeks? Well, two and a half weeks, uh, five concerts with him in uh, Dublin. This uh, was a series of shows that was supposed to happen in 2020, but pandemic kind of shot it down. And now they're... Uh, have been rescheduled and uh, we're going to go over there and record all five concerts and then bring it back to uh, Nashville and make a good show out of it, hopefully for um, people. He, he basically did a concert over there in 1997 at the same venue and it, it was amazing. So it's a bit of a uh, reunion or a callback show, but well, uh, that, that Garth Brooks, that Garth Brooks. Yeah. That oh, one. I heard of him. Yeah. Where's a hat. Uh, hell of an entertainer has a lot of friends in low places. Got a lot of t-shirts out there too. Yeah, a lot of t-shirts. He's a hard worker and this is a great idea. Newer technology so we can make it look a lot whoa, better. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got to stop you there. Okay. If he's such a hard worker, why is it going to take you two and a half weeks to shoot a concert? Well, we're shooting five concerts. Yeah, but it should only take then like five more days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've been out of the industry too long, my friend. Oh, no. No, that's what it sounds like. Ireland. Wonder how many days I can get in Ireland. Well, I technically have five days off while I'm there. Ah. So, uh, yeah. So I've uh, started making uh, a few plans of uh, some, I've spent, I spent two days in Dublin a uh, hundred years ago and uh, got to see a little bit of it, but there's a lot to see there obviously. And uh, I'm very lucky too, that uh, the lighting director that was on South Park is a good friend of mine and he grew up in Dublin. So uh, he started shooting me off the list of the uh, hidden gems to uh, so go So does visit. this guy still live in Dublin? No, he actually lives in Miami. Um, and uh uh but he he lights for he's lit for the big rock so shows for years is he connected in dublin he is he is and that's all uh, right so now here's a gun in ireland it's harder than hell to get good weed <laughs> well you know harder what than hell to yeah. get good weed now and if you do it's expensive as hell well, so I'll, I'll make i'll put that on the list and i'll make a report when i get back all right cool because they're just starting out the little CBD thing and hemp and all that. Yes. And, and so it's real interesting because Ireland is EU. Yes, it is. And there's a movement now in the EU, a real, a real strong movement in the EU, EU to do legalization. Malta, Cur yes, Germany. I, yeah, all that. yeah, I know Germany's uh, big on it. Irish weed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to get a little bit of le leprechaun luck out of it. Well, if we'll see what else, happens. I, I expect you to eat well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, he, he gave me some great, great pubs that have, you know, good traditional Irish food. And then also uh, he he showed me a couple of restaurants that uh, he thought were premier. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to that part of it. You, you know? know who loved Dublin? Who's that? Anthony Bourdain. Yes, that's right. That's right. He did. There's, there's a, it is a bit of a cultural melting pot from uh, their historical things that have happened there. So uh, there's, I've heard there's really good Indian food there. So um, I'm looking forward to trying a bit of everything. And, you know, when I do these jobs like this, it's what's great is uh, I'll be brushing along some locals that will be working on the show. So I'll always take tips from them as well of, uh, hey, go here. So you're going to eat any of those like old school gross Irish things? Blood pudding? Yeah. I'm just saying, man, if you're going to go in there, just 
total uh, immersion. I've had blood pudding once and it, it, it was fine. It wasn't a big deal. Um, haggis I've never had. Um, nope, nope, not, uh, uh-uh, nope, nope, nope. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have had a scotch egg, uh, you know. Do um, they have scotch eggs in Ireland? Yeah, they do. And actually, the first time I ever had one, um, I took a flight from London to Ireland. And I guess it was a morning flight. And I guess maybe because it was going to Ireland, that was the breakfast. I flew over Scotland and it was just like, oh. Yeah. Oh, here's the scotch egg. Look down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I, uh, yeah, I, when I was there the past time, um, I had a Guinness that was served properly and, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And what's fascinating there is it's okay to get your breakfast with a Guinness. So, uh, uh, I, I definitely on my days off that that'll probably be the start of the day. Uh, now do they have in, in Dublin, like they do in London, which I've never been to Ireland, been to England. Uh, last call. Yeah, I spent one night in Dublin, and I don't remember if uh, I was at a bar till wee hours of the morning. For those folks who do not know the quaint custom of last call in the English English pubs, is they serve alcohol up to a certain point, and then it's they cut it off. So, uh, and we, and it's rather early. It's not like in the early morning or anything. Right. So pe- people tend to binge the 15 20 minutes before last call yes yes i'm I'm sure that happens uh over there too and and i i can remember from my experience in london that they stop serving alcohol but they don't close and they keep serving food and then you'll see people that uh have you know brought a little flask in their jacket in and they may nip a little bit here and there to get through till uh, they're ready to leave but that's no insinuation that the english drink a lot that's a disclaimer no 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 No. not at all and and i'm not trying to compare ireland to england at all but that would which we would never ever ever do that that would get me ousted out of the country before i ever landed (laughs) yeah i'm just saying yeah don't bring up the orange man in ireland (laughs) not a good thing uh, uh, okay, so then after that, you come back, and of course, you will be exhausted. Yeah, that, yeah, the, gr- there'll be a little bit of re- there'll be a recovery time. There'll uh-huh. be a recovery. So, are you going to recover in LA or are you going to recover in Nashville? Nashville, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, we, we're not on a we're not on a quick turnaround on that show, thank God, but uh, um, I tend to want to go ahead and get everything back and set up so that we don't have any technological issues that happen on the shipping back from over the pond. And then, uh, and then I have another show starting in Nashville on top of it. So I got to get ready for that. But as you well. do have a little lag there because yeah. you know, you know what's happening in Tennessee homegrown, don't you? What's up? Harvest. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. 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 Enjoy, yeah. enjoy yeah. that. Enjoy. Well, no, well, just, hey, come on. You're a cannabis professional. Don't you want to get your bona fides out there, out in the hot sun, yeah. and the blisters and the sun. Well, I was just, I was just, you know, it's been a hot summer everywhere here. And and I checked out the temperatures in uh, Ireland while I'm there. It's going to be quite comfortable. So I don't think I'll be in any hurry to get back into the heat once I return. Oh, so what you're going to say, it's going to take you a bit to get acclimated to the deep south. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I'll probably, I, it's probably best for me that I go ahead and quarantine a little bit, 
Probably into about the second week of October. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, though, you didn't, you haven't grown that much this year, though. So what do you got to harvest? I know, but we also don't have as many people either. And yeah. also, I just, they, you know, I, I love seeing you guys that live in L.A. out there. What out here? That's how they call it now. It used to be flyover land. Now it's out here. Out here. Yeah. Out here. You know, where men are a little bit more manly. <laughs> yeah so you have an active life yeah currently i do um and were you uh, planning on it being this damn active no honestly i you know a lot of it you know coming out of pandemic you never you know during pandemic you of course didn't know what was going to happen and as you came out of it it was uh it stuttered you just didn't know what was happening and then and now it's kind of full bore plus uh, and I'm getting into the, you know, golden age of my career, the waning days. And, and uh, you know, it's all such good stuff that's going on. I don't want to, I don't want to slow down until it's not good stuff anymore. I'll just keep doing it till it's crap, I guess. <laughs> and I don't no, mean that. I don't no, mean that. No, I don't no, mean no, that in no, a bad no. way. I don't mean and that. No, in a bad what way. happens is that one day you come in and you check the answer machine or, or your, your messaging and there's, yeah. there's nobody messaged. Yeah, or the the couple of messages were because that that is really cryptic. <laughs> the one thing about show business, they never tell you when you've been fired. No, they don't. <laughs> I, I had that experience. This I had this that experience this week on another job. I had to uh, inquire for a calendar on an upcoming series, and because I was getting emails from other departments, and so I contacted the showrunner to say, "Hey, checking in, can I get a calendar?" and Got the old, hey, we're going in another creative direction. Thanks oh for playing. Oh, my God, you got that one? Hey, I did. I, I, I remember did. the first time that was told I was did music videos for a record company a couple of years in a row. And they yeah. were all real, real successful. And they were continued to be. Yeah. But it was that one thing that came in and they basically said, you know, I, you've been doing really great work with me. But we just kind of think we need some new eyes, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's yeah. funny too, because uh, I've had that experience a few times in my career and things, either they go really, really well out of the shoot, or you get on a, an annual show or a series and you get it really dialed in to like, wow, that, that really worked. You know, this, this is great. And you have a good team of people and everybody's really happy and you're making superior product. And that's, three or four times that has happened to me and then all of a sudden rug gets pulled out from under you and uh, it's all good i mean i know i've learned over well, the years the insecurity of show business is well there's no loyalty to start with i mean i know that's probably in a lot of industries but oh it's not in the cannabis business in the cannabis people in yeah. business people are extremely loyal yeah oh yeah yeah i hear you <laughs> but it's uh, a fact. yeah but uh but all good there's plenty of work and uh you know, I I had a team of four people working with me on that, and I immediately let them know that they needed to contact the show to make sure they were still in play because uh, we weren't too far away from getting going. Obviously, I was requesting a calendar. It's just so, been another TV show on TV, yep. primetime TV show. Exactly. Okay. And uh, you've done scores of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, you I, don't need I, that. No, I don't. It's like, yeah. 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 New eyes. Great. <laughs> good luck <laughs> and that's exactly what i told him i said you know thanks for letting me know good luck so. yeah 
Well, while you were slugging it out, you know, on those really crappy jobs, <laughs> <laughs> I, Moa, the intrepid reporter for Full Contact Cannabis, was doing the Southern Hemp Expo number four. Yes, and yes. And I, I unfortunately couldn't make it. I wanted to. I know. Yeah, you, uh, you had a pass. I had a pass. You had a but, press uh, pass and everything, and dude. Honestly, if my health had been better, I, I would have hopped on the plane and, and headed there. But I think it was better for everyone that I I not spread this cold around. Also, um, it would have it, it might have been a letdown. Yeah, you when we when we talked over the weekend, I mean, and, you felt and, it was and, a little slow. Tell me more the, about and it. And the folks, Morris Beagle and them put on a great show. Right, she for, but I'm betting the catering was better at your gig than it was at mine. Oh, I had great catering. Great I know. Catering. I was yeah. kind of disappointed this year. The food one is quite as good. It was really, really interesting, man. I mean, it's uh, we were we started out the podcast by you know talking about uh, South Park and how they were one of the first um, groups to actually get in there and have a jaundiced eye towards the cannabis industry. And it's, I think, been shows like that and just really, really people getting beat up that this was the first she I went to where there weren't people trying to announce their presence with authority. Right. Um, yeah. And in the past, you know, it was like, really, there's always like two or three cannabis companies that would uh, basically try to compete to see who could have the flashiest daggone uh, booth at the thing biggest you know spend the most money on their sponsorship this year the biggest sponsor she four one of the biggest one was a bank wasn't a cannabis company uh gone were the big vip i mean big uh booths that had vip lounges where literally they had the best in food and alcohol that yep. that was gone it was kind of interesting and indicative of how the business was. Those companies that in in the first couple of years of she the Southern Hemp Expo, they they no longer exist. So what you had here, and then also the type of people that were doing, then was the big big vertical operation. Sure, it was going to do, go uh, and and you being a Kentucky native, most of them, a bunch of them were in Kentucky. Yep. They spent money like proverbial drunk sailors. Sure. And this year, everything, there was creative booths, but they were leaner and meaner. There was just a lot of people that we knew that came that didn't exhibit. They showed up, they had products, they, they just didn't do exhibit. Whereas the first couple ones, uh, you had the people that were coming and exhibiting stuff were Tennessee, Kentucky, North Carolina. At this sheet, there were people from everywhere. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, also, at the first couple on Tinkster's Rule, you didn't have to see any Tinksters here at this. It was D8, D9, D10, and for one of the first times at Kratom. They had people who were selling Kratom. So uh, Explain that for the people that don't know. Kratom is a plant from Southeast Asia that can, it's got a couple different qualities, but the big one is sort of like, an opiate light, although wow. you get, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a painkiller and whatever, but it's a big deal. But, it, uh, and also, of course, this is time sensitive. There was the first crypto presence. Ah. Uh, speaking of, and since you live part of the time in Nashville, before I forget about it, because 
in Hillsborough Village, there was a place called Meet and Greet that was next door to a big place that was a high-end clothing store that was owned by Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, you and I walked by there a couple of times. All the time, yeah. yeah. They just got bought by one of the bigger Bitcoin entities in the United States. Really? Yes. It so happens now. And the reason I bring this up is this the continual trying to meld cannabis and crypto. Is the uh, meet and greet, is that a franchise or chain or was that just a single no, it was, they, uh, no it was owned by the florida georgia line you know what right. happens when you got a few hit records yeah <laughs> you let your wife and girlfriend open a clothing <laughs> store right and then you have they had a recording studio in there and then of course if you have a recording studio you gotta have some place to have coffee and stuff yeah um, they probably got up i mean gang of money because they sold out at the height of for those folks out there don't know nashville is in the middle of a real estate boom that is unrivaled probably in the country so people if you bought property and then held on to it five years you made a boatload of money yeah i yeah i'm starting to see a lot of reports of uh there's a tipping point that's happening all over the country yeah um, but because we have no state income tax yep Tennessee went to the Bitcoin people and said, come here, come, come here. Give us a hug, you big love. Yeah, we got a cool place called Nashville. And you guys got money, so you can afford the real estate. So <laughs> it's it's right here. And it's and someone's still trying to figure out that whole crypto cannabis thing. Yeah. And it was kind of curious. Here it was, cannabis, you know, everybody's waiting for it to go wreck here. And although it's sort of wreck already, and then you got Bitcoin coming here and it's just like, okay, what does this mean? Well, I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the Bitcoin involvement for alternative, alternative banking, since no one, none of the normal banks want to finance. That, and that very well might be. And, and yeah, if you look at it, like the one thing about in the Bitcoin world is this, you know, what do you want to call it? Nom de plume or your crypto name. Right. Well, which reminded me when I first got into cannabis, right? None of us used our real names. Like I was brother Gregory. You had, you know. You still Mr. don't use your real name. You're the old hemp farmer. I know. I'm in cannabis. What can I tell you? Yeah. Old, old habits, hard to break. <laughs> but it was so funny. You see the analogies. And also the, also the reason why I bring the crypto up with cannabis is, although crypto has gotten a heck beat out of it and Bitcoin's literally one third it was at its height, you still got people that are gung-ho. Sure. Reason, and it's the same thing with cannabis. It's, it's no matter how many you know people horror stories you have companies that went over there were still people walking through the southern hemp expo for thinking that somehow they were going to be the exception yes you know and and so it was really interesting one of the big things though here at this expo was people who had grown or processed who had literally at one point would have been quarter of a million half million dollars worth of product that now it's sitting there and now it's not worth but mm, that half a million maybe 25 if you can yeah. find someone to buy it yeah so there there was literally people there trying to thinking that somehow some way they would get ideas on how to, to get out of this yeah well it's just another 
reflection of the overproduction that happened over the last two years. Do you think uh, you said attendance was down, right? It, well, all right. In the years past, you had the general public that showed up just because right. they were curious about cannabis. And so, sure. Wow, it's cannabis. We can go see cannabis. Right. Here, the people showed up at this she four were were in the business you know they they came there for business like i said either to try to sell their products or to buy buy products they could put in stores and things like that got it and and because of the simple fact that the what do you want to call it the cannabis craze or whatever has been dampened a little bit and the fact that there's not uh you know like two or three years ago there was a crazy amount of money that was just looking for investments anywhere. Sure. It, it didn't matter what it was. I'm, oh, if yeah. you, tell them, you tell me I can get a 30% per annum return, sign me up. Yep. Uh, so that's kind of good. The, the, what do you want to call it? Loose money or easy money that's gone. So now people are making much more weighted decisions. And so, yeah, there, you know, there just wasn't. And, and did you ever go to Ant? NAB. Oh yeah, several times. I have never been, but the NA for those people, it's a National Association of Broadcast. And it's really just a place where people show off gear. Yep. Isn't it kind of? Yeah, it's it's uh here's the new gear. Uh there's an education uh part of it, but that's basically to sell the gear. Uh, I mean, I haven't been in several years, but it, it's also viewed as a networking opportunity for people that uh feel that they want to network within the industry well that's my vibe okay. is is that uh that it is transforming from this hey we're activism we're doing awareness to it's b2b so big booths don't mean big bank you're right. not you're not you're not impressing anybody because the only thing that's going to impress them is are you going to be able to make me money or are you going right. to buy something sure and it is so that's the way it is. So I, I see this becoming more like a, a trade show than I do um, a, like I said, an event, an expo, you know, it, you know, like we're you know, doing it, we're going to show this stuff for the public. Well, that was when the public really cared. So, so you're making this, this transition and, uh, and, and, it, and, you know, it's just the, what do you want to call it? The maturation yep. uh, of, of the industry. Although there was, and and almost enough to make you kind of feel, you know, nostalgic, there was a fair amount of people out there, hustlers, trying to share the cannabis sheet. Do you think uh, the convention itself, attendance-wise, and, and what it ended up being still affected by coming out of the pandemic? No, I think it has more to do with still too much products, and there has... I, I, one day they'll be able to kind of maybe figure out how much money has been lost in cannabis in the last three years. And, and that's the big thing. I mean, it's, it's, although you have the cheerleaders, like I said, there's the hustlers who are out there, you know, saying, you know, if you can do this, do this, but now everybody knows for one thing, it's not easy money. Yeah. And so hence crypto and that, and Kratom. They didn't have it, and I think maybe it had to do with state law, but I didn't see the psychedelic mushroom just people. But it, like in Colorado, they found around people selling, you know, basically uh, psychedelic mushroom franchise. So they're, you know, where we went, this thing has transcended 
It was cool to see people I hadn't seen for a while. It was also nice this year that the the old older hemp dogs, nobody was really in the early days, you were always trying to brag all these big deals that you were doing. Right. Nobody was doing that this year. No, I mean it's it, I mean, hey, you know, for obvious reasons across the board, but also specifically to the current state of the industry, it's a survivalist game right now. That's what it is. It's, you know, not to use an NCAA basketball thing, but survive in advance. Yes. And, and this is the, I think something else here, and I'm not sure how it plays into it, is that the largest can that like, you know, the top 20 cannabis companies, CBD and, and D8, they didn't get any bigger this last year. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You lost me. You just had me start thinking about basketball. That's okay. All right. <laughs> the good. largest 20, the 20 largest CBD D8 companies in the United States, instead of consolidating in 2022, are getting smaller. Right. Which tells me this is a market that is way too saturated and it's not financially mature enough for people to come in and start buying out smaller companies. And, and the flip side to this was, there's all these now, because CBD, D8, uh, D10, all these are literally, you can buy it for less than you can make it, has been the proliferations of companies that just basically, they get it, they get the cheapest stuff they can, they package it, colorful or whatever, and they get it out there. And that's, and because if you can sell it, if you can buy, let's face it, if you can buy a kilo of, of good, good cannabinoids for 200 and then be able to, to wholesale it for 10,000, that's a damn good markup. Yeah. And so now you have the people that are coming in here and strictly, they don't care about growing it. They don't care about processing it. Couldn't care less. Aren't, they don't even care about damn damn certificate of analysis they want the cheapest price so they can package it and sell it the cheapest way there has been this proliferation of these companies but i tasted a couple of gummies i swear to god i want if there would not have been people i'd have done a spit take i'm serious it was so bad that i had to find something to like a chaser it was that bad but they're dirt cheap yep and and they're making you know some of these guys are cranking out 25, 30,000 a day. So now this is all in the equation that's going on here. You, you did have some older companies, but the older companies uh, who actually are trying to do things with any sort of integrity, uh, integrity, integrity, <laughs> in kind of integrity, yeah. kind of integrity, well, integrity costs money. <laughs> you know, if you want, you know, organic, you know, clean ingredients, it costs money. So it's right now, the, the companies that are doing it right are kind of being punished, which is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. And there's obviously you have to kind of adapt or die out there. Oh, and a lot of that. I mean, it was just like in, in not the bad mouth gummies again, but everybody had gummies. Everybody had gummies. I mean, the whole time there, we were selling things. We, we didn't sell one jar of gummy, but things like, the, you know, freeze-dried, you know, ice cream, pesto. The stuff that was kind of different, yeah. that's the only thing people were looking at. Were well, I mean, that that's kind of reflection of, that is part of what those conventions are for. 
people can seek out new opportunities and new product and see how things are going on. And it, it might, you know, immediately help your business with sales, but it also might stimulate some activity of how to market things differently. Well, it's the evolution of the business yep. and, and the, the whole big thing also was that, you know, the cannabis derived THC. And so that, uh, yeah. you know, trotting out the stuff that the D9 that supposedly was made from hemp and putting in products, but those, uh, the word, you know, probably the most demand was D8, D9 things, D10. Uh, first time I saw THCV, where right. people had edibles in that, um, and it was a dark chocolate. It was halfway decent, too. Still haven't figured out what THCV does, but it was a good chocolate. And then, oh, and the other thing, since I'm a, supposed to be an intrepid reporter, they had all the THCs. I mean, O, P. HHC. I saw one that was, and I don't even know if it was real. Somebody calling it a THCB, which I had no idea what that was. I mean, I don't know if it was marketing, but all these things in vape pens, that sort of thing, shatter, all this. I have to admit, I'm old school in my taste in cannabinoids. I really do like stuff that actually exists in plants. Yeah. So, but I tried some of the H, the vape card of um, disposables are huge too now. Uh, the of HHC, and it I could feel it, but it just and I know I'm going to get slammed for this, but it kind of felt artificial. Well, sure, I've I've had that experience too. I, I, won't, I, mean, I won't deny it, but yeah, I mean I think it's it's where you get some things are better or equal, and some things are are worse. But know. I have a feeling that like all these you know, analogs made from hemp derived cannabinoids. Uh, as soon as people get a choice to get quality D8, D9, th that market, I don't think has got legs. I really, really don't. People do like uh, cannabis and, you know, that what 47% of the, the high THC market is still flour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two questions. And Real quick. I, I, um, was there any manufacturing booths there, processing or uh, cultivation type uh, gear? And were there any booths that were focusing on the use of hemp and THC in cooking? No, mostly finished product, but I'm so glad you did bring this up because I would be very remiss for not mentioning one thing that was actually at this, this Southern Hemp Expo for was I saw more people making items and building materials uh, out of hemp. And I'm talking about the herd and the fiber than any, any convention before. There was really a group of people there that were making products out of hemp herd and bomb ass. And they were being used in building and in product. That was, that was, I was kind of refreshing. A hemp expo that actually had people Focusing on hemp. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? <laughs> Crazy. What Did it? they get a lot of attention? And was there activity going yes. on there? Okay, we were, that's our good. Tennessee Homegrown's booth. You know, it's like you. It's like you never know. You know, like there's always this. Did we get in the right place? Right. Sure. You, you just kind of never know. And we were worried because we were up near a stage. The booth next to us was some gentlemen, and 
and I'm sorry, guys, I cannot remember your name, but they made hemp board. People came there. And so and this hemp board is like a replacement for plywood or yep. drywall or something. Yep. Like that. Okay. No, no plywood. Plywood. Okay. And, and then of course now they can do it with different ways. So you can have different finishes and different veneers. Sure. So they had stuff that you could do in building. And then they had materials that you could use for finished products. Were they local to Nashville? Kentucky. Can, oh, of course. Smart Kentucky. people up there. Yeah. Well, in Kentucky, they wouldn't let them do for D8 and stuff. So that it was more pressure on hemp farmers in Kentucky to actually start, you know, doing. And this is the one thing. The Kentucky Department of Agriculture has always pushed grain and fiber and herd over the cannabinoids. Sure. They always have. Yep. Which is the why Tennessee immediately got a, a big bunch of processing and sure and all those industries bring it down there and process it um well yeah yeah and it's where it brought in money that's back, the, back to back to the board uh mm -hmm. is there was is there a price comparison between say a four by eight piece of plywood versus a four by eight piece of hemp board i never got that far into it got it but, okay but it was there was really really good energy and good energy that's I mean, great interest. I mean, Inter there yeah. really was. And then they, you know, they have sold around the other house. There was, there was probably five or six, seven booths, you know, uh -huh. you, had the, you had the hemp crate, you know, you had the people who were using as insulation. You had people who were doing this plant or, I mean, uh, as animal bedding. Um, so like I said, there was, and they were finished products too. Yeah. Like in the past, it's like, Hey, in one day we can replace forest with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, that was way cool. I remember several years ago seeing, uh, and I'm not, I think it was in Washington state um, uh, where construction materials were, were being built. And, and uh, it was um, at that point, the price point was tricky. Uh, the, the back end sales pitch was, you know, quality hemp board will last longer than plywood. So they were basically making their sales on longevity to make up for the uh, price gap. But I would imagine with supply and technology, that gap is getting whittled down. And, you know, it's just, people are, are kind of slowly drifting to better food, better building materials. So it was interesting. Uh, I'm, we're really glad we went. Good. Um, I mean, we're hoping that we're economically viable enough next year for Tennessee Homegrown to get a booth. They welcomed full contact cannabis with open arms. Great. So that so we have an invitation for next year. Well, I'm going to get off because I've got a meeting for my analytics here in a bit. Oh, I boy. have no idea. Well, I have no idea what the numbers are, but there's a lot of them. Uh -huh. so, yeah. So yeah, I got a and I got a pack. All right. <laughs> yeah, you do. You lucky. I'm not all right. So, Mark, step. You, uh, do you want to have any closing words of wisdom besides Irish butter and <laughs> <laughs> Irish butter? Uh, yeah, my takeaway from today: uh, interesting information from the state of the industry. But uh, a buddy of mine years ago always told me, "Look, if you're coasting, uh, you're going downhill." So, it's true. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Harold Jarbo, aka the Old Hemp Farmer. And this has been sponsored by Tennessee Homegrown. And we really do appreciate you uh, 
what tuning in downloading uploading whatever streaming streaming Streaming. is what the kids say streaming (laughs) to uh, to, like i said to our our podcast and as always hemp dogs and hemp puppies keep one eye on the weather and the other eye on the market thanks thank you good times full contact cannabis is a tennessee homegrown and uppercut media production you can find tennessee homegrown on facebook linkedin and twitter visit our website tnhomegrown.com for more background and information covered in our podcast post-production services provided by uppercut media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com Thank you.